Hello, and welcome to Heart the State Within, an actual play podcast presented by University D&D. My name is Blake Croft, and I will be your game master for the evening. And it's my pleasure to welcome the players, Jacob. It's Jacob. Lily. It's Lily. Katie. It's Katie. And Alex. It's Alex. And it's session 20. Guys, we're in double digits. <gasps> double digits. Oh my God, we're finally We've in double digits. We've been in double digits. Welcome to session 20. Last we left off, you all were on the streets of these ruined civilizations. You were making camp for the first night when you had an encounter with a bonfire that, Ted, you went and explored. This bonfire had chairs set up around it. Ted, you approached these chairs, and on each of them, there was a box. In each of those boxes was the finger that each of you had lost when you had turned 16. One of the boxes was empty and perhaps unrelated. Atticus, you did not have a finger cut off as you were part of those that know or the families of those that know. Ted, on your way back, you saw something strange in the bonfire. You saw what appeared to be a portrait of you and Grace. You reached inside and suddenly became aware that all of the wooden objects in the bonfire were, in fact, made of human fingers, charred and black, as this bonfire melded around you and began to attack. You were at risk of being devoured by this creature and you put your gun to your head and threatened to leave it with no food and because of the because of the imminent death that you had seen coming this creature backed off noting that the threat was real Atticus came over with the rest of the crew and shot this thing straight through what appeared to be the small parasite in the brain and all of the fingers previously melded together like one big science fair project, all glued together hastily. They all fell to the ground in a rain, becoming severed fingers again. And that is where we pick up. Ted, why don't you roll time for me? That's a good idea. Watch this. This is the no-look strat. Every time I've looked, it's been bad. Let's go for a no-look. Dude, you just looked. <laughs> oh, you're right. So can you remind me, what what is the highest failure? So the highest the highest total fail would be six. Mm-hmm. Um and what did you roll? So that would be can you say the number you said again? <laughs> yeah, sure. Six. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's that's sounding pretty familiar. Got it. Okay. Ted, All. you've taken now eight time. Uh, so you take two additional time, eight time, uh, two more after this. So a complete fail after this would be put you at 10 time. And that would spell the, the end of Ted's life. Well, let's fix it in this episode. Easy. Let's yeah. do it. I forgot to mention, by the way, unrelated, the title of this episode is Fixing Ted's Disease. So <laughs> yeah, Ted. In the in the little opening is how we do it. So we just have to Yeah, the, the opening, I'll explain it. Too bad There's you guys There's a lot can't of cures in heart. <laughs> 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 yes, yeah, so Ted, you have eight time now. We pick up as the sun is 
just rising over these mountains. Ted, the the fingers that had formed this creature rain down on top of you as you look behind you and you see Atticus with his gun pointed at this frame that you had seen. Well, considering what I just rolled, I think Ted falls over and just goes into a coughing fit. Dot rushes over to him. Hey, hey, you doing okay? Uh, I, <coughs> that could be could be a little better, but I'm, I'm fine. We should probably get you back to the carriage, yeah? Yeah, uh, can you help me get these fingers off me? Uh, yeah. How stuck are they? <laughs> are they just, like, dead at this point? Uh, yeah, the ones that had attached themselves to Ted, like, you you feel that little bit of of clinging tension, but for the most part, they're pretty easy to, to peel off. Could I look at the ones that were in the boxes? They definitely belong to us, right? Yes. But they don't yes, look you, like they've decayed or anything? Correct. I was going to ask you, that. You open the boxes and you see fully intact, fresh fingers that Ugh. you have lost. That's unpleasant. I don't want to take them or anything. I'm just going to start headed back to well, the carriage. Would you know how to attach these back on? I guess it wouldn't be easy, but I, I could probably figure it out. It won't be very aesthetically pleasing. Honestly, I've spent a few months actually taking them off. So, you know, just do that in reverse, right? I'll take the fingers. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Ted, if you want this back, I kind of have to do it quickly. Sure. What's a little more pain? I'm gonna right, what, whatever we're doing, let's yeah, yeah, do it yeah, in yeah. the carriage. We've just made a lot of noise. Yeah, oh. you you all return to the carriage where Teal is making sure the horses are staying hitched to the carriage. And you collect these boxes of fingers and quickly move away from this scene of the bonfire, continuing further down the road east as the sun has now risen. So I'm guessing... Um, Annie is in the carriage now with... Yeah, I'm going to set up shop inside the carriage with yes. Ted. So could I be driving by myself? Yeah. Okay, I'm going to try and do something in the most hushed tone I can possibly do. We have a bit of a problem here, and I think only you can help. You you look down and you see the shadow prominent in the, the carriage seat next to you. And what would that problem be? We already have very little chance of making it to the crown as is. My friend here is terribly sick, and it is because of one of those who devour. You seem to have some influence over that. I don't think we can make it without him. And what exactly are you looking for me to do about that? I don't know what you are. I don't know the extent of what you can do. I'm looking for anything. Atticus, you understand that I have my hesitations about you fulfilling our pact. That's only understandable. How do I know that you will go through with this quite important task? Well, that's the thing. You don't. But I can tell you. There is a 0% chance of it happening without Ted. I can help, Atticus. I'm not sure I can 
make all of your problems disappear, but I can help. Thank you. Well, you could try to look a little more excited about it. Bring your friend out here. Okay. Kind of knock on the carriage. So, yes, a couple hours into your road trip, Ted, your finger has been stitched on. Yeah. Okay. I'm not sure how functioning it is. So it's, it's sorry, it's really not the, the best. Um, I, I can take them off really cleanly, but putting them on is a different story. And Well, I hope you enjoy. Hey, I'm, I'm not really expecting to get much use out of it. I just, uh, I'd rather go out whole. Been a hell of a ride. <laughs> That's true. Okay, um, you may go see what Atticus wants. Uh, we'll make sure that doesn't get infected. Okay, yep. I'll be back. Ted, you, you hop out of the carriage and... Blake, before, like, as he's kind of... As I knock, I, I would like to still say something. Oh, okay, yeah, um, yeah, you knock on the, the carriage. Thing. Knock on the carriage and then kind of in a hushed tone. Now, whatever you're going to do, don't make it, obvi- don't make it obvious that it's you. He won't, he won't play along. Well, Atticus, you make this harder for me at every turn, don't you? It's a hard thing you're asking me to do. How am I supposed to help him without talking to him? He'll never trust me again. Well, perhaps he would understand. I'll explain it all to him. Don't worry. Okay, fine. The carriage door swings open, and Ted is there. Hey, what's uh, what's going on? Just figured we should, uh, you know, take this moment to strategize and whatnot. Here, come sit next to me. Okay. Listen, I just wanted to say that, you know, no matter what happens here, that I think you're a good man. And I think you tend to make the right choices. And with the world at stake and everything that's going on, I'm happy to have you at my side. Thanks, buddy. That means a lot. Uh... It's been a pleasure knowing you. And I'll reach out my hand to shake it. I'll shake it, and then... Ted's been getting a little emotional lately, so probably pull you in, like, with one arm for, like, a hug. Yeah. Ted, you, you pull Atticus in for a hug, and you feel a chill down your spine. And you push away from him. And then you hear a voice... Hello, Ted. Uh, hello? And you look on the, next to you, on the bench of the driver's seat. You see your shadow cast on the cushion. You see it has a toothy grin. Ted, I don't mean to alarm you. I'm actually a friend of Atticus's. I'll look at Atticus for a second. And then I'll pull out my lighter and a cigarette. Ugh. Alright. Fuck me. Uh, who are you? Atticus has asked that you be patient and understanding. Ted, I'm guessing you haven't had many run-ins with something you would consider to be angelic. You know, I can't say I have. I'm here to reject that notion and tell you that... You very much have. In fact, where you're sitting now, there are angels all around you. Ted, Atticus has 
sent me to you to heal you, save you in, in whatever ways I am capable of at the moment. And while I can't completely cure whatever it is ailing you, I can certainly help stave it off. Would that be something that interested you? Depends. What's the catch? Well, uh, of course, I have a couple of stipulations. I'm not sure if you've noticed, but Atticus has... Him and I have been chatting a bit. We have plans when we arrive at the Crown, and the stipulations are that you help us see through to what we are trying to accomplish. What happens after that? After that, you try to return home, save the people you love, and continue on your life. I'm only looking for us both to benefit here. How do I know you're not like a devil disguising yourself as an angel? It sounds a little too good to be true. I think it would be a more apt description to call us angels that hide themselves as devils. The creatures that you have come into contact with recently, those that devour, as you've heard them called, they are angelic beings. This pruning of the human population a few hundred years ago. In simple terms, it was a rapture of sorts. And it is my job to see to it that that rapture concludes. I promise you, Ted, no one you love will be hurt. What about people I don't love? Well, there comes the moral quandary. Would you rather take your small view of the world into account here? Would you rather trust the morals that you think you know? Trust that that saving the world in whatever human definition that looks like, that that would be more important than saving the people that you know and love. I would ask you to consider a few things, Ted. The first is that humans are not the world. Humans are just a tiny subset. So when you are broadening your definition of morality, I ask you to consider everyone and everything, if we're already considering those that we don't know. The second thing I ask you to consider is that I don't need your help. I'm doing this as a favor to Atticus. It will happen nonetheless. You know, it's kind of a weird choice for an angel to be disguising themselves as a shadow monster thing. I don't really see how acting like the boogeyman's helping you in any way, but teach their own, I guess. I mean, hey, I don't want to die, but if it means that someone else has to die just for me to live, then you can start digging my grave now. That is very... I was going to say noble, and I realized the word I was looking for was foolish of you. Ted, this is short-sighted. I will get to the crown one way or another. Those people, they will receive the fate 
that is coming for them. It does not matter what you do here. What you do here will influence your life and your life alone. And if you choose to die, the only changes that that will make is the death of the people you love as well. Because why would we spare those who are close to you if you're not around to see it? With all due respect, your angelicness, I don't really think you know a fucking thing about life. I mean, how would you? I assume you've been here for a long time, right? And we're all probably just fucking play things to you, but game wouldn't really be too fun without us, would it? I appreciate Atticus for the opportunity, but it sounds like whatever you're cooking up is not something I want to help you with. Right, Ted. I completely understand. If you will, return me to Atticus. I mean, what is life like for you, really? You get passed around, going from person to person, and doing what exactly? Pulling out a string for some grand plan that you don't even know is going to work or not? I mean, you downplay the importance of our existence, but clearly you're asking me for fucking help, so you don't have all the answers either. So wise, Ted. Pass me back. Alright. I'll go up to Atticus. Hey, uh, I appreciate the chance. And, uh, I'll keep your secret. It's not mine to tell. But you better fucking tell him eventually. I'm sorry, Ted. It's okay. Just, if you can look after my grace for me, it would mean a lot. Uh, you, you shake Atticus's hand. And just before the shadow passes between you two, Ted, you hear once more in your head as the final instance of this voice. Oh, and Ted, I forgot to mention, I'll be sure to say your goodbyes to Grace tomorrow. And then the shadow passes back to Atticus. Atticus, I'm afraid this is where we must part. We both knew this was a risk, right? But I can't risk sabotage if not everyone is involved in the plan. So I'm afraid I will be returning to my other half, and I will let Rex know to speed up the process in heart. Thank you for your help, though. I really do appreciate the efforts. I will find my way to the crown a different way. I don't think I see anything. Okay. You feel the the smile fade from your shadow. Fuck. Ted, I may have just fucked us. What makes you think that? It's not here anymore. It went back to heart. I don't know what I could have done differently. I, of course I was going to fucking sabotage it. We just gotta get to the crown as quickly as possible, because I got a weird feeling that our friend's gonna want to talk to us again if we get there in one piece. It all feels so helpless, Ted. Yeah. <laughs> we found out quite a bit in the past uh, few months. Makes us all feel kind of small in the grand scheme of things, huh? I haven't really done much with the life and time I've been given, so I hope I can make up for that. Do we... do we tell the others? 
I think, as sad as it is, before long you're not really going to have my judgment for any of these decisions, so I leave that in your capable hands. But deep down, you know the right call. Yeah. All right. Let's just keep an eye out for somewhere we can make camp. We should probably take a rest soon. Let's try to find someplace nice to look at. Just, uh, just in case. Right. Okay. While this is happening, in the cart, Annie and Dot are perhaps having a conversation. So, uh, in your top ten weirdest surgeries, where does sewing on someone's 15-year-old finger sit? You know, it's, it's pretty high. That'll maybe take the number four spot. Four? You'd be surprised what people try to put into their bodies. I feel like we got off on the wrong foot and then continued to hop on the wrong foot for a while. You and me? Yeah. <laughs> I would not disagree with that. And I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. It's sometimes hard for me. I've never really had to separate my work from my life, my friends, my family, because really it was always just the work. It's strange trying so desperately to keep a group of people alive and also really caring about them. Being close to people is a surefire way to get hurt is something that I've learned a lot of recently. And it seems like I'm going to continue to learn with how Ted is headed, so. I feel awful that I couldn't fix it. But it's not like you had the solution. I know, but I'm not good at losing patience. I don't think anyone is good at losing anyone. And I think losing him would feel like more than losing a patient. <sighs> You're right. But, but I don't know what it is. Maybe it's more on me. I... I don't really know how to have friends. I mean, honestly, I don't think you could tell me whether or not I'm a real doctor, or if my parents are alive, or if I've ever been in a relationship, or any of these things that people bond over. We've just had horrible experiences together. Well, doesn't feel like enough. In a way, I feel like that is more than enough when people suffer together when people lose together it brings people closer i remember one year caspian and i we worked so hard and we lost the science fair and it's stupid to compare it but when i was nine that was the biggest thing that could happen to me but the thing is we'd been random partners and I think you can kind of guess how much he means to me now. Going through just happy times makes people fair-weather friends. You know people really stick with you when you're suffering together, when you're trapped in an armored wagon together. I think it's just recognizing how much you care, and that's terrifying, but it's also amazing. We're kind of the randomest partners there are, <laughs> aren't yeah. we? Yeah. 
I'm not sure how fate or whatever it is chose all of us. It feels very random. I do care about you, at the very least. I'm sorry if I'm not very good at making that clear. I get frustrated or or stuck in my own business, in my own head, but it doesn't mean that I'm not fighting for you all to stay with me. I I appreciate that, and I, I care about you too, but we, I think we can learn from each other, and I don't want to pressure you into feeling like you need to have friends, but if you want one, I'd love to be your friend. Thank you, Dot. Okay. The carriage moves for a few more hours. There are a couple small towns that you pass nearby, but the towns are off the main roads. Are you stopping at those towns? My vote is no. I I don't even I don't I, care if they're small. No. Okay. No. Around. Around. Okay. Then then you're gonna stick to the road. You see off in the distance these overgrown towns. A few hours pass. And Ted, have you returned to the inside of the carriage or Yeah, I would think so. Okay. Atticus, you're sitting here in the front of the carriage feeling like you said, helpless. And you continue for a few more hours and you see the mountain ranges high on either side of you. And then you hear something. Did I scare you? Fuck you. That's not out of character. <laughs> I think I was kind of laugh at it. Like, like it's so ridiculous. Yeah. Quite a few things scare me nowadays. You made a good point. One that I agreed with. You should feel helpless, Atticus, by yourself. Returning to heart, returning to my other half, that is very much in the cards. Let us be completely clear. But it is in my benefit to continue on with you. And so I will give you one more chance would you like to talk to ted again if i don't help you then you kill me no no you can make it to the crown on your own well <laughs> that's debatable but by a miracle you could the things you are trying to protect the people back in heart, that will be what is lost. These threats are rather idle, don't you think? You Perhaps. threaten to kill them, but plan is to kill them anyway. You're right. I think you're preying on my hope that there is still hope. But it doesn't matter, the outcome is always the same. Look at you, Atticus. I'm proud of you. It takes serious strength to acknowledge how little influence you have over things. I may not be able to influence the world, but I can at least live with myself. I don't think I can make deals with the devil. I'm sorry to hear that. Good luck on your journey. 
and maybe best not to tell Ted about this conversation. It might be more merciful to let him die without knowing that Hart's blood is on your hands. Goodbye, Atticus. Farewell. And this time, you do feel your whole body get warmer, like that chill has reversed. And you sort of shake it, shake off the feeling of something tagging along. The day continues until the road curls down, and as it slopes over this hill, you see sitting at the base of this hill a large city. This is much, much larger than Pagosa. There is not just one or two main streets. There is a whole network of buildings, much taller than those in Pagosa Springs. And you see as this road heads straight through the center of it. You see, as you head further down this trail, a large sign that is completely covered with vines that overlooks the city ahead of you. Uh, I think I'll stop the carriage. I think this is a this is a group okay. up moment. So you're 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 stopping the carriage. I also kind of want to clear off the sign. That's also I'm stopping. But yeah, you 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 stop and tell everyone to look at the the landscape and see where you are as you go over and peel back some of the vines that are growing over this sign, and you see it says "Welcome to Denver." Yeah. Yay. This is I so like surreal. How many ways like, can we not can we say so this wrong? Denver. Denver. The end is the N is silent, so it's just dear. Dear. Crazy that that would be oh, your first thought on how to pronounce <laughs> So yeah, you all pull off to the side of the road, overlooking the vast city of Denver. Well, um the road we're on seems to just go straight through this city so i don't know if we should detour or if we should just take our chances and go through i think we should go all right so you uh approach the city of denver as you head down this main path and head into the middle of the streets it's a surreal sight much different from pagosa which seemed to be localized in terms of how tall the buildings were, in terms of you know how many cars were parked on the streets. This looked to have been a city in its prime that very suddenly lost its entire population. You see there are what appeared to have been in the past these like cable lines that were run all over the city have now collapsed into the middle of the street, have been grown over. There are plenty of cars through every street. You also see a mix of like fallen over bikes and wagons and things of that nature. And you head down the central street of Denver, eerily silent. And as you head down, you see ahead of you a very large structure. It is a gate of sorts, like an open archway. And on the archway, you see from what you can see beyond the um, vines and things that are the overgrowth on it, you see 
a few letters that you can make out. It says Mizpah, M-I-Z-P-A-H. And beyond that gate, you see a large square building, like a low-rise building. It is a few stories tall, and it is connected to a slightly smaller offshoot of that building. You see plenty of cars parked outside of this, now overgrown. These large, like, spire-looking structures coming off the top of this building. And there is a fallen sign that looks like it previously stood on top of this building that has now collapsed into the ground. And you see that sign says, Union Station Travel and Train. Y'all think we could get a, we could get a train working? <laughs> Let me have a crack at it. I have so many things I can roll. So, yeah, you see Union Station ahead of you with a train uh, on the tracks outside the building. Hey, everyone, I've got a really bad idea. Okay. What are the odds we get a 200-year-old train working? Older. I mean, I'd have to look at it first. We need to rest anyway, so maybe this can be our spot. I don't know if I like being in the middle of Denver, but... <laughs> Shut up! <laughs> um, do we see if we try and make a train work? Maybe it's heading towards our destination. Yes, why Why not let Dot give it a try? Alright. Yeah? I think we should look at the condition of the tracks. Not like it's going to be even throughout the entire entirety of Colorado, but... Tell me why he wouldn't say it like that. He so would. With his, no, with his little accent. Exactly. Anyway. If we do this, I wonder if there's a way to get the horses and cart into the train. So if we come to a place where we can't pass anymore, we can just continue our trek with them. Well, we had a... Uh, we have livestock carriages and heart. Looks like a big train. I can't see why we couldn't fit a couple of horses in there. Are you going inside? Yes. Yes. Yeah, I'll go. Are you leaving the carriage behind here? Oh, so it's really big entrances? How big are these entrances? Shit no, I, I didn't say that. Lily said that. You oh, can go so around we're just the- making shit up now? I say we <laughs> unhitch the horses and bring the horses in. Or I can wait with the carriage. I don't know in my... Like, yeah, I let's don't say know if I'm in the shape deal? to like explore. I got my gun in my lap, ready for anything to show okay. up. Then yeah, Ted, you stay behind with Teal while the others explore Union Station and see whether or not this uh, this could be a viable method of transportation. Uh, if we're walking into this place, I'm going to pull out the little um, FN 1910 thing. Okay. And I'm going to give it to Annie for the time being Oh. and give her a quick rundown. Okay, if there's something in here, just flick this little switch here point it at it, and pull the trigger. Don't point um, it at us. Yeah, oh, oh, I won't do that. Okay, thank you. You all walk up this large stairway and into this large set of double doors. You see that above each entranceway, there are these large windows, but all of the glass has been shattered here and hides underneath a layer of vines on the marble floor inside. Inside the station, there is a 
part of the marble that has been completely cracked open where there is a small plant, like a small tree that has grown through it. But you look around here. I want someone to roll investigation as they're looking at all of these different, like like Can like I help, help windows and oh, it's a oh perception or investigation. It's a reason for investigation. Oh, yes, I this would be investigation. That. I should do that. Can I help Annie? Because I also have a very high investigation. Yes, you can help. Yay. <laughs> 14. And Lily, what'd you roll? Eight. So Okay, one. so eight would be plus one. And then investigate. Oh, 14 anyway. Awesome. Okay, 15. So you may ask two questions. How can I find out more about what I'm investigating? What's my gut feeling? Is there anything weird? I'm going to go, how can I find out more? And is there anything weird? Okay, great. Annie, you're, you're looking around here and Dot, you... The three of you sort of spread out around this room, but but are careful not to move into any of the other rooms like by the train tracks uh, without everyone tailing. But you take a peek into the area where the tracks are, dot. And yeah, you see these you see these large signs that have fallen to the ground with numbers of what what platform each train is on and you report that information back as annie you have hopped behind one of the help desks and you see a drawer that is still intact with these very faded pamphlets of of what platform goes where most of these trains are localized to colorado or surrounding regions and you see there is a map Localized to either, you know, within the city, there are these like trams that exit Union Station or surrounding areas. But you see Platform 3 connects to what the pamphlet refers to as the Transcontinental Railroad, with this stop being Mile High Station. (gasps) That means not as much to Annie as it means to me, but I am excited to hear that. There's a map, right? There is a map, and it does show that this connects to a rail line that moves all the way northeast, yeah, almost gonna... exactly to where, not exactly, but almost to the point in our, in our modern terms, this would move to New York City, whereas where you're going is upstate. I'm going to take the pamphlet. Great. And then, yeah, the, what was the other question you asked? Is there anything weird? There is something weird about what you're investigating. You, as you hop behind the help desk, you see sitting there, as you're just about to return to the group, there is a pile of skeletons, human skeletons. Uh Uh-huh. What does their clothing look like? Their clothing looks torn apart. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The three of you continue further past this main this main hall and onto the platforms. And you see that most of the platforms are small. Some of them are trams that look to be at one time connected to these cable lines, but have since fallen, and so they now sit on the ground. And then some of them are smaller trains. But you see there is one platform, platform three, that has this very long train, very large black train that sits halfway out of the tunnel and 
it trails along the whole platform. So a very long train. On this platform, you see that part of the marble of the platform has come off in this large block as though something had a large impact with it. What are you all doing? Dot, do you know how you would get it started? I mean, it depends what's wrong with it. If there's anything wrong with it. I mean, I did look up on Google, how do trains work? So. Oh, wow. Okay, well, now you're an expert. Yeah. Uh, Firebox, boiler, a piston, valve. (laughs) (laughs) Wait a minute. I didn't realize you knew all this stuff. Okay, <laughs> we'll so be in one I will. I'll. I'll go in. I'll go into the control room or whatever the fuck and see. Okay. So yeah. So that's the question. Are you boarding this train? Yes. I don't like the way you asked that. I don't <laughs> like the way you asked. Sure you so are, are you that boarding this train? Okay. So I the- will wait just outside the doorway in case they get eaten up and I need to go grab Ted. Mm-hmm. That's what I'll okay. do. Okay. Uh, Atticus, are you boarding the train? Yeah, I'll support that. Okay. Sword's coming out though. Okay, so Dot and Atticus, you you hop onto one of the passenger cars um, because the engine room or the front part of the train is outside the building right now. So you hop onto the the closest to the front part of the platform. Um, you hop onto that passenger car. You see benches on either side of the whole car, and you see the windows in this car have been uh, completely shattered, and one of the side walls one of the metal bits has been dented inwards in like a triangle as if something large made an impact with it and didn't quite break all the way through you start to continue further towards the rest of the car i need one of you to roll investigation that's you dot assume i'm better at that yeah that's also an eight again i don't know why i keep rolling a five and a one an eight. Okay, so again. one question. What, how can I find out more about what I'm investigating, namely the state of the train? What's my gut feeling, or is there anything weird? How can I find out more? I think she's in engineering. Oh, Blake, mode. can I roll Daredevil? Yes, you can roll Daredevil. So how can you find out more? Yeah, then if you're using a question on that, we're just going to continue forward through the cars as you head closer to the engine room to find out the state of the engine of this train. I have all three, so if there's a threat, I may discover it before it discovers me. I can avoid an attack, and I can harm an opponent before they can react. Good to know. Yeah, there's definitely no threat here, though, right? Yeah, that won't come into play. I definitely won't need those edges. No, that won't come into play. We're doing just a wholesome campaign from here on out. You continue forward through these train cars, and in the next car, you see that the sidewall has been torn off. Torn off, not not like one wall is completely missing, but one wall has been completely torn where there is like a giant hole in the back part of that car. You continue forward and you Can head into the... Sure. That was... I'm not rolling very well. That was a six. I'm hoping I'm getting these bad rolls out of the way. So yeah, so, so, so no edges there, right? You do or... get to make a move if you would like. Okay, good to know. You continue forward, and as Atticus is just taking another peek at this ripped-apart wall, you step across the cars and into the engine room. You open the metal door there, and Atticus, as you go to follow, the metal door slams shut. 
behind Dot. The door slams shut behind Dot, and Atticus, as you run up to it, you... Yeah, you press against it, and it is completely sealed shut now. You see there is, like, a porthole window, and you see Dot inside. Uh, Yeah, Dot, there is no damage done to the engine room as far as, like, the walls are intact and all of that stuff. You see there is a large metal wall with this large furnace inside it, and there are all of these valves and, and like, wheels on on the entire metal wall and these various pipes and things and then there is a pile of uh, coal on one end as well dot you open the furnace door and you see that there is a pile of coal in there and that the the firebox itself uh, looks good and it doesn't seem like there's any damage to the firebox i mean that's important but also what's important is the the tubes that are on the other side that you can't really see from where you are, but on the other side of the firebox that would then make the smoke from the fire, like throw it up through the chimney and like collect the steam. Those pipes are super important. And those are like on the interior of the furnace. So it's hard to see if there's damage or not. So you are suggesting that I crawl into the furnace is what you're saying. You're <laughs> I did saying? not suggest that. Is that, that what you're suggesting? That seems to I be did what not you're suggest suggesting. That. Okay. I'm going to do that, but I'm going to really secure this door the, as much as I can. I'm sure I have like something, like a strip of leather to tie it to something nearby. Like really make sure that this furnace door stays open. Stays open. Gotcha. Yeah, that you have you have a, a belt that you tie around the handle and you tie it to one of the valves and you secure the furnace door open. Uh, Atticus, are you alerting Annie that the door has like slammed shut behind Dot? Yeah, yes. I so will yeah. get Annie's attention. You, you're on the exterior of this train between the two cars and she is just on the platform. So you could probably realistically raise your voice just a small amount and she could be able to hear you. Yeah, I want to see if I can find some sort of, like, what the lock mechanism is on this door. I don't think I'm as handy with shit as Dot is, but that would probably be my first instinct. Is okay. How yeah. can I open this? So then you call out to Annie and then begin to look at the the lock mechanism on this door. I'll just say, Annie, can you come here quick? We're having a bit of an issue. Yes. Um. Yeah, I'll just run up. Um, yeah, then you run over to the car as both of you now work on this lock mechanism. As you see Dot inside this sealed door, tie a belt to the furnace and hold it open. You see the coal inside. Not to freak you out, but uh, the door did just kind of close itself and lock itself. And now it looks like Dot is crawling into a furnace, but we're not going to, we're going to keep calm and just... Work our way through this. Um, Dot, you crawl into this firebox, and you feel it is very, very closed in um, and very hot. You feel yourself sweating inside this metal here. It's hot? And as you... Yeah, I mean, it's not like scorching, but it is hot. That's weird. You crawl over to the other end of the firebox and you start looking at these pipes one by one, the pipes that release the steam and the pipes that release the smoke up through the top of the train. And you see that there is surprisingly little damage to them as you investigate them one by one. 
Atticus and Annie, you are watching Dot crawl in there. And as you watch her get to like the center of the firebox, you see something on the glass of the door that has just shut. You see steam start to collect as you see the coals underneath Dot begin to very quickly turn to an orangish red color and all at once you see inside the furnace the coals erupt in flame 